the ANA Champions of Growth podcast. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Dying is easy, comedy is hard. The quote is attributed to actor Edmund Gwen, best remembered for his role as Chris Kringle in the classic film Miracle on 34th Street. Gwen was onto something. That's probably why it's easier to make people cry than laugh. It's why the term crickets is often used to describe a situation when some poor soul at a party makes a terrible joke and sucks all the air out of the room or at least the conversation. And that's why most brands and organizations play it straight in their marketing and advertising and generally avoid using comedy and ad creative, opting for the aspirational, the feel good, or simply we have better prices than our competitors. To be sure there are exceptions. FedEx, one of the world's most admired brands, has been producing funny ads since the business services company launched in 1971, along with some very sharp, sharp observations about human nature. Insurers also have a knack for the fun, featuring richly drawn, iconic characters delivering the message. Think Limu Emu and Doug from Liberty Mutual and Flo from Progressive. More on that in a few minutes. But for the vast majority of brands, the juice that comes from using comedy in their, in their advertising doesn't seem to be worth the squeeze. It's understandable, but what may seem funny to one person may come off as tone deaf to another or even offensive. And then it's off to the social media races. However, the sweeping and ongoing changes in consumer behavior wrought by the pandemic may be an opportunity for marketers to reevaluate humor as an advertising vehicle. A recent article in Ad Age titled The Serious Case for Humor refers to author Orlando Wood, who argues in his new book, Look Out, that humor is a source of flexibility in an increasingly rigid culture and that humor in ads are more likely to generate tangible business results whether generating profits or gaining market share. Brand managers and their agency partners are aware of the through line, and yet, reconfiguring the famous quote from our friend Mr. Gwen, using comedy in advertising isn't easy. Developing the kind of universally humorous and sincerely funny ad campaigns that also adhere to brand values and corporate goals is hard. Joining me to discuss the challenges of using humor in advertising are Jenny LaBelle, CMO at Libre Mutual Insurance, and Steve Cody, founder of PR and marketing agency Peppercom. Steve is also a stand-up comedian who has performed at the Westside Comedy Club and New York Comedy Club, among other venues. Welcome. Jenna, I'd like to begin with you. There's a new ad for Liberty Mutual running right now featuring Limu, Emu, and Doug. I think the duo are on a first-name basis with most people by now. Cross-promoting the company with the new Spider-Man movie that opens tomorrow. Pairing Liberty Mutual with the Spider-Man franchise is a reflection of the popularity of Lima, Emu, and Doug, who have been a major part of the Liberty Mutual's advertising since 2019. So from a marketing standpoint, what do you attribute to the campaign's success with comedy at its core. Thanks, Matthew, and thanks for having me. You know, we're really excited about the partnership between Sony, Spider-Man, and, and Limu, Emu, and Doug. I kind of attribute the success of the Limu and Doug campaign to four things. We have a consistent, thoughtful, and carefully considered strategy. At the core of that is consumer insights. Second, and I'm a little bit biased here, you know, we have a really great marketing team and a supportive leadership team. So we have that executive buy-in and uh, the team here is really pushing that work forward. The next thing is we have an award-winning creative agency specializing in comedy writing, developing the creative. And then finally, we're really fortunate to have strong acting and talent in David Hoffman, who plays Doug, and he's really embraced that character to bring it to life in new and interesting ways. 
Okay. And I would like to drill down on some of those elements moving forward, but how did you settle on using an emu as a spokes character? And in terms of elaborating a little bit more and bringing it to life and getting a, a sense of the business, how that relates to the business strategy overall. Yeah. Everyone wants to know this answer. You know, insurance is, is a commoditized category at this point. We don't have the luxury of having a tangible product either. So as a result, I think the, the entire insurance category really does rely on spokes characters and other brand cues to sort of become the physical manifestation of that brand. And those things help keep those brands top of mind. We're really data-driven over here. So, you know, we've looked at consumer research data that indicates that spokes characters are actually the most effective way to drive that brand linkage so that people remember your brand. And for the longest time, we were advertising without any of that. So we hadn't pulled that lever to drive advertising effectiveness. So we tasked our agency, our creative agency, Goodbee, Silverstein and Partners to create a branded character for us, for Liberty, that was tied to our brand name, attention grabbing so that it would break through the advertising clutter, especially in the insurance category and tied to our value proposition. We actually developed, believe it or not, over uh, 12 concepts that we put in front of consumers in a variety of different research settings and ultimately landed on Limu, Emu, and Doug. And the reason we landed on Limu, Emu, and Doug is that they had an inherent tie-in with Liberty Mutual. Limu, fun fact, is shorthand for Liberty Mutual. An Emu is certainly an animal you would not expect on your TV screen trying to sell you insurance. So it was definitely attention grabbing. And Limu and Doug's whole purpose is really built off of our value proposition in that they're a buddy cop duo who believe it's a crime to overpay for insurance. So really, fitting in nicely with where, where we're going as a brand. Um, and the last thing that we loved about Limu, Limu, and Doug in particular was that they're kind of this great combination of one part familiar and, and one part unexpected. So the part that's familiar is that buddy cop duo that's been famously used in TV shows and movies for decades. But the unexpected part is that one of them is actually a flightless bird who doesn't speak. So we, we love that combination of one part familiar and one part unexpected. It's funny you say that uh, in terms of the, the the cop. And I shared this with Steve earlier in that sense. I was thinking about this podcast last night, getting prepared and whatnot. And I had a sort of minor epiphany in that sort of emu is the straight person here or the straight thing, if you will, for lack of a better term. And I thought of that line, that famous line in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you know, perhaps the original buddy movie, you know, where they're just, you know, just rode along and Butch is coming up with all these crazy ideas, sort of like Doug. And, you know, Butch is saying, you just keep on thinking, you just keep on thinking, Butch. And it's sort of like, I get this sort of same vibe when I'm watching these Liberty commercials, particularly the one with Spider-Man, where Doug puts the spider on his arm, he gets a reaction, he's been taken off by the ambulance and sort of emu is right there seeing the ambulance go off you know and making sure his buddy is okay i mean again can you talk to that a little bit i mean the emu is mostly cgi correct yeah, so we actually do, believe it or not, have live emus on set. We actually have usually about three while we're shooting, and they do, I would say, some of the acting for the spots. We're largely using real emus for placement and to capture those realistic bird movements. Personally, I wish it was 100% CGI since I'm terrified of birds, but really the CGI helped make Lemu's personality come to life and, and also allows us to show him doing things like stunts like sliding across the hood of a car or running on a treadmill, things you 
you would never see an emu actually do. And it allows us, using CGI allows us to build out additional emu characters pretty easily, which, yeah. which makes for fun interactions with emu. And I also think it's important to have like a talented animation team that allows you to create those memorable moments so seamlessly. So having CGI uh, for emu is definitely helpful in, in bringing the comedy to life. Okay, for example, the uh, the spot you have where in the backyard doing the, the barbecue, you know, and they, oh, do we, we, it's a barbecue. We don't want to talk about work. Uh, and says, uh, and they have the wives there, the emu wife, like that sort of uh, in terms of opening things up creatively. And did it take a lot to convince the C-suite that a giant bird was the best way to market the company's products and services? It did take a little bit of convincing, but luckily, you know, we may be a 109-year-old company, but I have to say our, our leadership team here, you know, was fully on board with evolving our advertising to meet consumer expectations and to continue to drive growth for our, our brand. It, of course, helped that we were armed with data. So we had a lot of data supporting the need for the change, the need for building out these additional uh, brand cues like a branded character. Uh, we also had a lot of data from consumers. We put all of the concepts in front of nearly 20,000 consumers in qualitative and quantitative settings. Um, so it was a very calculated risk that everyone knew we needed to take. You know, we brought our executives and our employees for that matter along on the journey, providing context along the way of the changes we were making. You know, advertising is part art and part science. And because of that, everyone has an opinion on it. Trust me, I know I get phone calls uh, daily from my family members telling me which ads they like or don't like. So our employees are, are the same. And it was important for us to provide context to the broader org and just bring them along on the journey with us. So they knew why we were making some of the changes we were making, and then we're able to see it along uh, with us. And what are some of the ways uh, that uh when you're taking a comedic approach, whether it's Limu, Emu, and Doug, or the boardwalk ads, some of uh, which have a sort of a, a nostalgic bent, how do you make sure all of this uh, approach aligns with the brand's DNA? It's a great question. You know, our category is, is a very serious category, right? Our business is, is serious. Our primary responsibility is to be there for our customers when they need us most, which is usually after some catastrophic event occurs. So we'll always be the brand who provides people with protection from that unexpected or those unexpected events. However, you know, when it comes to advertising our offering, we know that consumers don't want that serious tone. We know based on research and hearing from consumers that they're kind of looking for and expect insurance carriers to take a much lighter approach, bringing them entertainment and laughter before or in between something they really want to watch. And so tonally, you know, we knew we needed to be in that area because that's what the expectation from consumers is. Okay. And Steve, you've been trafficking in these precincts for a while. What's the nexus between comedy and marketing and advertising? Is it an elixir, particularly these days, to boost consumer engagement? That is with the right concoction? I think Jenna hit the nail on the head. It has to be authentic to the brand, A. So it can't come out of left field. And um, Axios yesterday shared a holiday video from Blackstone, which they rated as the worst, most cringeworthy holiday video of the year. And that's because you don't think of Blackstone and Blackstone hasn't done anything to establish itself as a fun, edgy brand. And all of a sudden they come up with this really clunky video that's forced 
And when you try to force comedy, it never works. So it has to align. It has to align with your purpose, with your values. And the real secret sauce of comedy and humor is that when you can make a target audience, stakeholder audience, whomever laugh, it stimulates the same endorphins in the brain as eating chocolate and falling in love. So for a nanosecond, you can connect with your constituent audiences. If you can make them laugh in the right way, that will be a distinct competitive advantage for your brand. Okay. And how does working stand-up benefit your agency, benefit your relationships with clients and your leadership efforts for that matter? Well, first off, my personal and professional motto is expect less. So I'm a very poor stand-up comedian, but I'm, I embrace that. So it makes me much more authentic and approachable to my employees. They see me fail routinely. And I'm also, um, I'm very big on self-deprecating humor. So, you know, I take my client's business and my business very seriously, but I don't take myself seriously at all. And that permeates the culture. So we've all seen what happened with the CEO of better.com who fired 900 people over Zoom. That's tone deaf, obviously. So with humor and with Peppercom, we've been training all of our employees in stand-up and improv. And, um, it, you know, and originally it was to improve their presentation skills, their listening skills. What we found was that it was an incredible bonding experience, that they were able to learn new things about each other. And since they train in front of each other, they pull for each other to succeed. And I've never seen a team building exercise that comes remotely close to it. So it's been part of our DNA for 10 years, and we tie it into our charitable fundraising. We just raised about $10,000 last week for the Children's Brain Tumor Foundation. And I emceed it, and six different Peppercomers performed stand-up comedy. And all of our employees were there, a lot of our clients, friends, et cetera. And it's spot on to our culture, who we are, and how we differentiate ourselves. And it enables us to be very selective in terms of who we hire and also who we represent. And knock on wood, in the midst of the great resignation, we just haven't lost anyone. It's the kind of culture where it's okay to be yourself and to use self-deprecating humor and to also poke fun at me, the CEO. And that doesn't happen in too many organizations. But in terms of just a quick follow-up, Steve, just in terms of really when you use comedy, it's taking this sort of warts and all approach to things. It's, it's perhaps your employees vis-a-vis -vis your clients not being afraid to be vulnerable. A vulnerability is what it's all about. So yes, it's being open to your foibles, to your faults, to what you fail at. And um, my autobiography will be entitled Always Wrong. So I'm very open about admitting fault. And, you know, I'm a big believer in surrounding myself with people who are far smarter than me. So I have no problem saying I was wrong, you know, correct me. And that goes, and I just did an interview with one of our brand new employees. And I said, let me know if I'm not doing something right. I want to hear from everyone. So it's a big part of who we are and what differentiates us. And it also enables us to deepen relationships with our clients. Once we've established trust, we can then figure out each other's laugh button, if you will. And it really enables us to, as I said, deepen rapport with our existing clients. And we have different clients who hire us specifically for humor and, and comedy training to help them deal, help them with their employees deal with, you know, anxiety, depression 
depression, connectivity, poor morale, accepting change. So it works for us. It's not right for everyone, but it, it works and it differentiates. And it's not about jokes. It's about storytelling, authenticity, mm-hmm. you know, what keeps you up at night. And it's just been a big differentiator and a great recruiting tool for us as well. Okay. And that sort of plays into uh, my next question, which is your agency specializes in B2B marketing with clients, uh, your clients targeting vertical audiences, which begs the question, Steve, can you bring comedy into almost any business, regardless of the widget? It depends upon the business and, and whether it's authentic to the business, as Jenna said. I mean, so the quick answer is no, it has to align with the, the purpose the values and the, if you will, the gestalt, the zeitgeist of the organization. If, if senior management, if the C-suite does not embrace self-deprecating humor, this will fail miserably. I was talking to the CCO of a not-to-be-named financial services firm about our humor offerings, and he said, we don't smile at my organization. If I were to bring this to my CEO, I would be fired. So there are many organizations where, where this is just, you know, comedy and humor are just not even on the table. There are happily there are organizations like Jenna's that embrace this, see it as a differentiator, see it as a great way to connect with stakeholder audiences. But I would say, you know, she is the exception to the norm. But even with all the upheaval we've all been through in the last uh, two plus years, all the disruption and the uh, chaos, quite frankly, even with all that, there are still you're saying companies, brands out there, particularly vertical companies who are just hopeless, for lack of a better word, when it comes to perhaps taking a comedic approach? Yeah, you know, they take themselves far too seriously and they, they don't understand the value of the, the authenticity, the transparency, the vulnerability. People want to work for and partner with organizations and individuals whose company they enjoy. So we really like to work with organizations that enjoy our company and enjoy, you know, you end up spending, you know, and Jenny, you can certainly attest to this. You spend as much time with your agency partners as you do with your family. So you want a deep, you've got uh, Goodby, which is a phenomenal agency. You not only are doing great work together, but you're enjoying each other's company. And if you can establish that bond, and we do it, you know, first by establishing the fact that we're doing a great job. And then we start to talk about what are our shared senses of humor, if you will. And it really deepens the relationship and um, it enables us as an agency to ask for additional opportunities because we have that kind of relationship and trust. If we can laugh at the same thing, the client and the agency can share Mm -hmm. the same things. You know, we share failure and we share success and we're able to, I don't mean to say this in the wrong way, but laugh at both and embrace Mm -hmm. both. That gives us the opportunity to say, can we have a chance to talk to you about something other than public relations? Yeah. And laughing at the same things, really salient point, Steve, in terms of that can, that can serve as a real glue when you're laughing at the same things. And it's a a sincere laugh. Jenna, while uh, Limu, Imu and Doug are a big part of the overall messaging strategy, but do you, at the same time, do you have to be selective when cross-promoting the duo with your other marketing channels? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think it's necessarily about the marketing channels themselves so much as the consumer journey and the channels that fall under each of those phases. 
you know, we keep Lee Mui Mu and Doug pretty focused on uh, brand tactics, upper funnel tactics to really help drive unaided awareness and keep Liberty Mutual top of mind. As an insurance company, we, we sometimes do have to talk about more serious things like, say, open claims. And in those instances, you know, it doesn't really make sense to, ha- to use a wild bird to deliver that message when it is so, you know, such a serious message and, and emotions are high. So you'll never see Lee Mu and Doug deliver any kind of claims message for example. Another example is when the pandemic hit, fewer people were on the road and and driving as we were all in in kind of lockdown mode. Therefore, there were fewer claims. So insurance companies, you know, were operating a little bit more profitably. And so a lot of the insurance companies gave refund checks back to customers to make up for that. And we wanted to communicate that to customers that we were giving them a a refund check and for the trying times that they were in. And again, didn't make sense to use Lee, Moo and Doug in, in that situation. And so we opted using the boardwalk template with a voiceover and and not having anyone deliver that message directly. So we've kind of mapped out where it is and is not appropriate to leverage the characters or humor in general, right? Like, you know, there are moments within our business that it doesn't make sense to be funny. We, We really do need to be serious. And we have that kind of all outlined. Okay. And this is sort of a two-pronged question, Jenna. First is sort of uh, not necessarily uh, Liberty Mutual centric, but you certainly could uh, fit within this uh, description, which is why do insurers have the funniest TV commercials? You know, insurance is such an interesting category. And before I joined, I, I don't know that I would have said that, but but now that I live and breathe it, I can confidently say that. But, you know, you're required to have insurance by law. So it's a need-based product. It's, it's not a want-based product. Um, I'm not trying to get you to want insurance. It's also one of the few things that you pay for and you hope you never have to use it because if you're using it, it means that something bad happened and people don't want to think about something bad happening. So by using a little bit of humor, I think that the category as a whole just injects a little bit of levity and provides some entertainment value. The other thing about insurance is that it it is commoditized and it is price driven. Um, And we know that humor is one of the most powerful tools to drive ad recall, meaning getting people to remember the ads. So I think overall, just having funnier commercials keeps brands top of mind in this category just because it is such a unique one. And for us, you know, that's making sure that Liberty is top of mind and and we're using Lemu and Doug to help drive that so that people think of Liberty Mutual when they're shopping for insurance. Okay. And of course, this this goes across the board in terms of using comedy and advertising, but do all roads ultimately lead to character and hiring really good comedic actors, both Stephanie Courtney, who plays Flo in the progressive commercials, and David Hoffman, who plays Doug in the Liberty Mutual spots, are both graduates of the Groundling sketch comedy groups, Jen, as you mentioned. When developing these types of campaigns, how crucial is casting? And again, find the services of someone who looks upon comedy as a real craft. And should marketers be prepared to perhaps pay a premium to boost the odds of better returns on the other side because you are going to these lengths in terms of casting? Casting is critical. I can't say it enough. Consumers subconsciously correlate the quality of your advertising to the quality of your product. So if you're going to do comedy, you need to do it. And sometimes that means investing in high quality delivery. For us, we're looking to build this campaign to have longevity. And it was crucial that we had the best talent to carry that creative. And we find that working with improv actors like David Hoffman, but even in some of our other campaigns, we often cast improv actors. But we find that working with improv actors is the best way to to meet our goals and deliver that comedy that we want. Speaking of David Hoffman in particular, he just brings so much to the character. And we often find that it's the unscripted performance that he brings that drives the comedy and ends up getting into the spot. 
So as part of the charm here and uh, really part of the strategy with a fellow like David to, in a sense, get out of the way. I mean, he's got the script and he knows what he's doing, but at the same time, give him space. Absolutely. Yeah, he's really taken on this character in ways that we never expected, even when we were doing the original casting. And he brings a lot to the table. He'll often chime in saying, I don't know if Doug would do that. Like, I think he has a point of view and it's often a really great point of view. So we give him the room to and the freedom to bring those performances to life. Okay. And to just to shift gears a bit here, Steve, we sort of touched on this a little bit a few moments ago, but wanted to follow up in, in the sense of before making any big commitments, how careful do brand managers and their agencies need to be that using laughs as a marketing vehicle won't backfire? I mean, we don't have to go through all the countless stories of brands that tried to be funny and, it, uh, and they got burned in the process. Yeah, well, it's twofold, and Jenna touched on both of them. A, you really have to understand your target audience and what will and will not resonate with them. That's A. And B, is it authentic to your brand or is it coming out of left field? So those are two fundamentals to think about before you engage in any sort of comedy-driven campaign, in my opinion. So you need to think long and hard. You need to put yourself, and this is obvious, in the, the audience's shoes. And many brands fail at this. You know, how will my constituents react to this particular, whether it's a 30-second spot or whatever it is, it's critical that you put yourself in the shoes of the stakeholder audiences. And I'm sure Jenna goes through all sorts of testing before she actually puts something out live. But you really need to think long and hard about those two things. A, the target audience. And B, is it true to the purpose and values of the organization? Or is it coming out of left field? Because it'll fail miserably if you overlook either one of those. Does the ad brief start to go sideways? When people try to be too clever or cute by half when using comedy, they start to take a, an inside-out approach, what's amusing to them rather than their audience. That's deadly. That'll be stillborn. You cannot decide what is funny. It has to be audience-centric, and it has to meet the audience in the way in which they want to engage with the brand. So you really need to think through, and again, you know, what are the proper channels to use in terms of communicating with your target audiences? Is it 30-second TV spots? Is it online? Again, what are the best ways in which to connect? What's authentic? What will resonate? What will engage in a conversation so that when they are thinking of an insurance company, you go to the top of their consideration set? And as we start to wrap up here, uh, Jenna, are uh, Limu, Emu, and Doug bound for new adventures? And is the real win for humor a serialized ad strategy, playing into built-in expectations, as you sort of touched on just a moment ago? Yeah, you know, leaning into a campaign with consistent characters, consistent visual aids, and consistent audio cues just in general will result in better brand metrics, including memorability and, and recall, two things we care a lot about. Limu and Doug will actually be turning three years old in February. And when you look at some of our competitor campaigns, you can see the success from the long-term, long-standing branded characters and easily understand that the sky is the limit for our duo. So they will absolutely be going on more adventures. Uh, we were actually just out in LA last week filming more of their episodes. And I'll, I'll give you a little sneak preview that there may or may not be a wedding in the making. And, and that's all I'll say. Okay. Well, I really look forward to them. And, and I don't mean to blow smoke, but I, I think it's just a really terrific campaign. 
Again, I want to get uh, both uh, your uh, comments here. Uh, Steve, to start with you, is using comedy and advertising effectively ultimately about finding the familiar, the relatable, and avoiding the sentimental and the gooey, which, let's face it, some comedy can sometimes slide into? Yeah, again, I think it has to resonate with the target audience. So, you know, Jenna's nailed it in terms of what she's done, what she's created, Goodby and Jenna, and it resonates and it's authentic and it keeps the audience, it's the stakeholders coming back and hoping to see what's the next chapter. So that's a best practice, Matt. So she's nailing it. So many organizations fail in accomplishing what she's doing. So the beauty of, of a comedy driven campaign is wondering what's next. And if you can get your target audiences thinking, what will they come out with next? You are really, you know, moving up the consideration set in a major way. So thinking really strategically and having the uh, episodic mindset. I would defer to Jenna on that. First of all, thank you, Steve. That was very kind of you. You know, I, I think that like at the end of the day, in, in my opinion, creating memorable and meaningful advertising is about making an emotional connection with consumers. And that's usually based on some kind of human truth or insight. And as advertising gets shorter and shorter, you know, sometimes as short as six seconds, we find that the best way to make that emotional connection and response is with comedy and often with comedy that drives upon a past personal experience or some kind of familiar situation. Over here at Liberty, we call it funny because it's true or funny because you've been there. And, and that's our North Star with our comedy. And we try to stay as true to it as possible with all our work. And it allows us to you know, have Lemu and Doug emerge in different settings that are familiar to people because they've lived through something similar. Okay. And with that, Jenny, you get the last word. I'd like to now move to our lightning round. It's a new section of this podcast. And uh, the question is, uh, I want to get your three favorite comedy movies that CMO should watch and why. Steve? Well, I don't know if it's a movie, but I'm a Seinfeld, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Office fan. The Office is a phenomenal movie from a comedy standpoint. And there are some classic uh, comedy movies as well. Any Mel Brooks movie. I mean, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles. I mean, and Brooks is coming out with a new movie at age 98 or whatever. So any Mel Brooks movie, I would highly recommend. Okay, Jenna, you're- uh... Uh, This is a tough one. I think I'll do an oldie, a newer film and a seasonal one since since we're in December here. Probably Groundhog Day, I think because it's smart, it's original and who doesn't love Bill Murray. For a newer one, Bridesmaids, I think. And largely because I think it took a familiar situation of wedding planning and wedding festivities and made it into a a female driven comedy. And I think it had a hilarious cast, which again, illustrates the importance of finding the right talent. And then the seasonal one is Elf, because I think it's, it's just good natured and, and spirited comedy. And I love the juxtaposition of this naive, quirky Buddy the Elf and his no-nonsense dad. And I just think that lends itself to endless comedy. It's not politically correct anymore, but Robin Hood Men in Tights was special. <laughs> okay. Very uh, good selections there heading into the holiday season. And uh, we're just going to wrap up here. But as we do, I wanted to ask Steve if he has a website or websites that he'd like to uh, share with our audience before we leave. As in my own? Uh, Your own or any charitable websites you'd like to share? Sure. As I said, we just did a serious fundraiser for the the uh, Children's Brain Tumor Foundation. 
And it's just uh, cbtheacronyms.com. We've also done a lot of fundraising for the ASPCA and Autism Speaks. So those are our three charities where we donate all of our comedy fundraising for. So I would highly recommend, you know, supporting those organizations. Okay. And of course, your main website is peppercom.com, correct? With two M's, correct. With two M's, of course. That's right. And Jenna, any websites you'd like to share with our audience? LibertyMutual.com if, you, if you're in the market for insurance, which many people are. Okay. And in terms of get for our folks who'd like to look at some creative, is there a particular site that they can go to? Yeah, drive them to YouTube. We put a lot of our, obviously all of our advertising up there, but we put a lot of behind the scenes content and sort of extended cut content that just doesn't quite make it into a 30 or 15 second spot. Okay. And that's a Liberty Mutual YouTube channel then? Correct. Yep. Okay, and Matthew, if, if some of your um, listeners want to see a truly horrendous stand-up comedy performance, all they need to do is go to YouTube and type in my name and they'll see some truly horrific stand-up bits. So bad it's good? So bad it's bad. Okay. <laughs> all right, Steve. Well, thank you for that. And I really appreciate both of you being here. Big thanks to our guests today for joining me on the ANA Champions of Growth podcast. Jenna LaBelle. CMO at Liberty Mutual Insurance and Steve Cody, co-founder of PR and marketing agency Peppercom. Until next time, thanks for listening.